You can say it simply, it's hard, but when you are faced, whenever you're faced with anything, it's like being kind and not right. As we're designed as humans to be right about everything. We will give up being kind, we'll give up, we'll give up everything just to be right about something. And I had to give up a lot of times where I wanted to be, you know, I, I'm, no, I'm no angel. I still had those thoughts of, oh, that's not fair, he's whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, I'd, and I would remind myself, am I going to be right in this moment or am I going to be kind? And it, it, that's how I did it. Sally Batt grew up in Richmond and has been around the ringer. She's a wedding photographer based in Chartist Towers, but that's just her latest incarnation. She's been a station owner and a business manager in Melbourne, but she has always felt stunted by self-doubt. In this episode, she spoke to me about becoming the best version of herself. This episode of Brave was recorded and produced across the lands of the Gujal, Woolgarugaba and Bindal people. The Community Information Centre pays respect to the traditional owners of the land. So where were you born and raised? From Richmond. I yeah. spent 45 years there. So what was growing up in Richmond like? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, we were on a... I come from in the 60s where isolation was really fair income isolated. My mum taught me till I went to boarding school when I was 10... And I, I mean, we didn't go anywhere or see anyone. We just lived in the bush. It was very different. Like, we had no power when I was a little girl. No phone. It was a very, very tiny little world. Yeah. So it was great for a kid. Because you didn't know what you didn't know, right? Exactly. You didn't know I what just lived in this out. wonderful world of fantasy that, because there was nothing else, I feel that, you know, yeah, I had a great childhood. Yeah. What yeah. did you do to entertain yourself back then? Like today we have Game Boys or not even Game Boys there. That's what I mean. You have to use your imagination. What did you do? Well, I was a horse a lot of the time. A horse? A horse. (laughs) So I would gallop around being a horse. When I wasn't riding one, I'd be one. Right. Yes. Which was awesome. I loved it. It was great. And I had, I come from one of six, so there's always plenty of kids around. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I've always been an introvert anyway, so I was happy on my own anyway. Yep. So yeah, I had a pretty cool childhood. So, uh, you attended school here in Chatterstown? Yes, I did seven years of boarding here. Started in grade six. And so, went. what was that like moving away from home? At, well, I was six? very fortunate. I just handled it really well, which is surprising because I wasn't very super confident. You know, I liked being on my own and I wasn't confident, but I just, yeah, I didn't have any trouble adapting. I remember being really amazed at wearing shoes. Like, wow, I've got shoes and I've got to shine them. I thought that was real novelty because I never, <laughs> didn't wear shoes at home. So you didn't find transitioning from that kind of lifestyle into other things around you and other people yeah, around you? Yeah, I just seem to adapt. You know, kids routine. are remarkably equipped at adapting way more than we grown-ups. Way more. You know, kids are far more able to be fully self-expressed and all of that. It's one of my passions as kids. I can remember as a, I would have been like one of my first memories, I must have been four or five. I have a clear memory of having my doll on the bed and her accidentally falling off the bed so that I could protect and mentor and empower her. I can even remember that as a little girl, having that feeling for... Nurturing. Yes. Well, more than that, like actually really making a difference. Yeah, and that's always been with me, always. 
So when you left school, what did you think you were going to do next? What did you want to do? Well, by that stage, I had decided I was really not capable of going to uni, so I never even considered, unfortunately. Why did you think you weren't capable of uni? Oh, I I just decided by that point that I was unintelligent. That was the start of my limiting myself, really limiting myself. And I wasn't from a family where it was even encouraged. It wasn't discouraged at all, but it wasn't encouraged either to, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to uni? You know, it was never even considered. So I went home and I mean, I had a great life. It was awesome living out in the bush. I worked in my brother's shearing team and as a, you know, as a Jillaroo ringer as well. And it, I was good at it, enjoyed it. But yeah, is that where you met your husband? Yeah. He moved into the area in mid eighties. That's how we met and moved onto his family property there in Richmond for 20 years. We had a cattle station, sold it, moved to Southeast Queensland. When the youngest one went to boarding school. How many children do you have? Four. And that just from there, that their horizons just grew so much bigger. Yeah. You know, there's... Opportunities. Oh, and just meeting different people from different parts of the world, not just people from the bush. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to leave, to mm-hmm. open their world up. Yeah. And it did. Coming from the bush and the whole family from the bush, was it expected that you stay in that line of continuing on that work? Well, or it was, was never said, but it was, it was almost like... Particularly for my brothers, I've got four brothers, it was, for them it was, that was all they were ever going to do. And, and if you ask them, they would say, no, no, I didn't think that. But I mean, they, they're still in the bush. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need people in the bush. It's Absolutely. not that. The bush is amazing if that's what you want to do. It's awesome. But I could have gone to uni and done something with kids, you know. Yeah. What would you have liked to have done? Well, at t- probably, I mean, then I maybe teaching or something, but now it would be more like psychology or... I love empowering kids through their parents. It gives me a real buzz. I love it. So, mm. you know, if I'd had gone and done something, had developed myself as an, who knows, you know, just gone out into the world and I never did. My previous background is early education mm. for 13 years. So I totally get that because I loved being able to empower children yes. and support children, but then more so the parents the layers that come around the parents that need the help in between. That's and right. It's not just about looking after children. You can a empower a kid setting. so much, but it's through the parent that the magic happens. Yeah, that's right. And the la- and the things that go on behind people's closed doors. Mm. Like it's not just about dropping your child off to childcare. No, there's a whole lot more that goes on. To help yeah, there's that a book in me about that. How to be an allowing parent. So it might be in the future. Yes, that's good. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to do it. Which, of course. You know, there's that part of me that still limits myself because like, oh, I don't know how. So I don't find out how. I am busy with my photography. I mean, that is a valid reason, but it's still not the whole reason. I know I'm still like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Yep. But I will. Photography, you've mentioned that. What got you into photography? Well, when Steve and I got married, he had an SLR. I'd never even heard of one. But he had this camera and I had this amazingly, incredibly perfect baby that I needed to take a photo of. So I took some really bad photos with his camera and that just, I was hooked. I just had to find out how to make it work, how to, how to turn a bad photo into a really awesome photo. And I gradually started to take more and more photos. I'd become more and more immersed in it and I started doing the family, you know, I was the family photographer. So I'd go, I'd do the 21st and the 40th and then whatever. And then in 2014, my niece said... She rang me and said, I'm getting married. Would you take my wedding photos? And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Terrifying. But of course I did. What an honour to be asked. And that was my first wedding. And that's when I really thought, wow, this is awesome. 
So it was from then that I started getting more and more into it. And as my belief grew, I yeah, that's how. And now I've got a really amazing business of wedding, doing weddings. It's all been... Self-taught. Yeah, but like I have literally taken hundreds and hundreds of thousands of photos. It's... It's like painting or art. It's like it's a gift, isn't it? Like that doesn't come naturally. Like, I cannot pick up a paintbrush or a camera and take a photo to to save myself. Mm. I think it's an absolute art for someone to be able to do that. And I reckon in my – I mean obviously I must have some sort of ability I suppose but I don't reckon I'm particularly great. I have just been so committed to learning. I absolutely love it. It really calls to me. It's like my parenting – book it's like it's there and I want to do it and I, I find it very fulfilling and that's a big part of my life has been with my, as a mum saying to my kids you do find out what it is that you actually enjoy I don't care what it is it's irrelevant but whatever it is follow that get real good at it and that's your life no plan b So when you met your husband, how long before you became husband and wife? Uh, not long. When we got married, because I always said to him, I want to be a mum. That was the one thing I knew. I knew I wanted to be a mother. And I was 27 when we got married and the next day, right, let's have kids. And he's like, ah. Anyway, we did. We had one pretty much straight away and then another one straight after that. We had four quickly in five years. That's a mammoth. And they all grew up out there. And went to boarding school and then th that's when we left. So you headed to South East Queensland and you opened up a business. We bought one, there. an existing company. And it was had a lot of lacks of integrity, which we were, you know, naively were not, in retrospect, we were not equipped to ever really know how to deal with it. Yeah. So you'd never been in business beforehand? Only as a, as a we had a cattle station, which is a business, of course. Yes. But yep. it's, it was very different. Yeah. So the business that you took on in South East Queensland, were you now dealing with like customers? Was it a accounting Well, it was, very, it was importing. So we were dealing with our supplier in Taiwan and China and we were like the head franchise, for want of a better word, of the each state and we had a lot of trouble knowing how to empower them. That was the biggest challenge and we just never quite knew how to do that and never got what we needed to do that. Looking back on it now... What would you have benefited from for advice in tackling with that? Oh, we could have done it very differently if we'd had the right people, but we didn't even know how to find the right people. So, you know, so you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And we were naive and thought, oh, we can do this. But, yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> so what happened? It took a while. It was a very painful end. And, it went, yeah, we finally had to close the doors in 2009. Early 19 must have been. It's a the couple of years ago. The business went into administration and by that point we had also separated very amicably, very like, it, yeah. So a lot had happened in that period of time. Mm. Mm. How does a relationship separate amicably? Because you don't hear of it very often. No, you don't. And you wish you did. You don't and you do wish you did. And it was over my dead body that it was ever going to go that way. Like, because I was the one that said... I want to separate and I'm committed that we do it with love and we remain, like, we're a family. We will always be a family and I just, there was no way I was going to let it go any other way because I knew there'd be a lot of pull from the society, from marriages don't end well. 
No, because no one leaves a happy marriage. But to end it amicably and make it still work on the other side of that, I think is really special. Mm. It, yeah, it's incredibly special because now we, like, I genuinely love him and we're good friends. And it, I rely on him and he relies on me in a completely new way and, and really nice, really nice way. Yeah, so it's what amazing. would your, for other couples going through that, what would be something that they should be considering and where can they turn to? to make sure that they can follow the path of an amicable separation. Yeah, and, you know, it's all very – you can say it simply. It's hard, but being – when you are faced – whenever you're faced with anything, it's like being kind and not right. Being kind. Being kind. You know, we take right. – as we're designed as humans to be right about everything. We will give up being kind. We'll give up, we'll give up everything just to be right about something. Mm. And I had to give up a lot of times where I wanted to be, make him wrong or, you know, I, I'm, no, I'm no angel. I still had those thoughts of, oh, that's not fair, he's whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, there'd be something I don't agree with. And I would remind myself, am I going to be right in this moment or am I going to be kind or love or whatever word you want to, you know, bring to that. And it, it, that's how I did it. It was bloody hard for both of us. But it, it's, you can do it if you just remain committed, you know, just got to be committed. To doing the, basically doing the right thing for our kids, for ourselves. Through your marriage and I've heard you talk, not through today, but you felt that there was something not right within your marriage mm. or within yourself and you felt like you were a, a not good at being a wife. Oh, absolutely. I was convinced that there was something wrong. Like why am I such a bloody bitch of a wife? What made you think that? I was really unfulfilled. And I blamed myself. What were you looking for? Well, what was I looking for? I, I mean, I, I wanted to be in an um, awesome relationship forever and then you die. That's what I wanted. But I wasn't. I was unfulfilled and I just wanted to find out what, what I could fix about me so that I wanted to be there. What was your journey then on learning how to, as you say, fix you? Yes, what was that journey like? Well, it started with reading books because I lived in an isolated area. Books were my go-to, you know, it was hard to go and do it. I had, you know, lots of kids and whatever. And I, you know, and I did, started safely by reading maybe financial books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad because they weren't too woo-woo and out there and, you know, ooh. Because I come from a, from a culture where personal development is like, you know. Just get on with the job. <laughs> oh, yeah, get on with the job and it's for weak. You know, yeah. People that are lost. So I couldn't go down the full-on personal development road. So I started reading books and then, I, you know, I read one book and it would lead to another one and then gradually I became more and more brave and started doing things, whatever I could to, to fix me. Do you think what you were looking for something with inside you that, that validated you being here? No, or? not validated, fixed it. Fixed. I needed fixing. I had a really strong, strong calling to, to be a better version of me. But I remember going and doing a course in 2005 and it was profound. It was amazing. And I knew then, like, this is, if I just keep following this. There was something there that. Oh, there. totally. Yeah. It was just three days of really looking at yourself. And it all sounds very self indulgent, but it's, it's what's required to really. Deal with your own beliefs around yourself because they're all made up. But we, we yeah. So no one's telling you 
what you were hearing in your head, you're saying it was yourself. Oh, totally myself. I worked that out. I realised the, the course I did that really made the difference was the Landmark Forum. And it was after that that I started. It took a lot of practising and, and, you know, continuing to really stand for being the better version of myself. It took a long time to actually really get for myself that there's actually nothing wrong with me. We, you know, I, I, I didn't need fixing. And that's when I realised we can do our own thing and still be a really amazing family. And that's exactly what we are. Coming from closing a business, separating from your husband, like were you a step off homelessness? Oh, shit, yeah. What did that look like? Like actually what it looked like was me, I moved in with a young couple who needed someone to do their housework. So I went and lived with them for a few months and that got me out, gave me somewhere to go and live for a bit. I was on, you know, people's couches and, yeah, it was was not nice because it's, I wasn't young either, but I was definitely very close to being like, I wouldn't say homeless. I mean, that was not going to happen, but I didn't have anywhere to go. Did you know where you wanted to go, but in that moment? Because you were Mm. transitioning. You're coming from a marriage Mm. and a business, two really great significant things that have just changed in your life. What next? Like that would have been really, I find, I thought that would have been really challenging on how do you spiral yourself out of that yeah you could have allowed yourself to really spiral down oh abs and I had days where I did and then how'd you pull yourself out of do you know often was my photography my photography and my commitment to my family it was the people that I love most and and my photography would get me I'd be feeling really like oh anxious and I'd 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 find a way to you know I'd have a shoot or I'd do something because I was always working at on some level but just nowhere near enough to pay for my rent and stuff. Mm. And that got me through a lot of days too. You know, that's why if you can find something you enjoy doing, how valuable it is. Because when things are tough, you've got that. If, you, if I had a job that I didn't like, well, imagine that, how bad it would have been. You know, you'd never go to work. You wouldn't be... Um... That's right. <laughs> It'd be terrible. And then when, I, when we went broke and I thought, if I don't actually make a go of my photography, what am I going to do? So that's what really forced me. To take it on. So it's only been the last few years that I've really gone hard, as in with a business of it. Mm. So I've confirmed for myself, now that I'm doing something that I, I truly enjoy and I, I, I never do a day's work because I love it, I've confirmed for myself what I've always said to my kids. If you find what it is, not if, when you find what you enjoy doing, go hard and do it. With the photography business in COVID last year, that was – and you were newly establishing yourself in Charter's yeah, I wasn't, Towers. Yeah. Oh, totally. I was brand new. It's one of the th- benefits of losing everything was that I had no home, no husband, nothing that kept me anywhere in particular. I had the freedom to just move here. And, and I got in a car and drove up from Melbourne last January because my parents live here and they're really old and I wanted to be around. And, of course, COVID hit two months later. So my timing was impeccable. So I get to spend this time with them, you know, and be with them. You know, not, not many people my age can just leave. Like all my siblings are very, very entrenched in their properties and, you know, they, they can't do what I do. So I'm lucky. How do you, We're in lockdown mm-hmm. and you can't do anything in that realm of photography. How yeah. did you get through that? Well, because I was here, I was actually very lucky because I still had a few weddings out here. 
So I could still, I still went and did a few weddings. I remember standing in a paddock in the middle of last year when Melbourne was in literally like that terrible 11, 12 weeks they were in lockdown and all my, knowing all my colleagues were at home, not making any money, and I was doing a wedding, I can remember thinking, wow, they'd do anything to be me. So in, in one sense, my move up here was amazingly good timing. And then I was able to actually find work here and there because people could go and get photos taken. Mm. So I was very lucky. And I got a job at one of the local schools. Yeah, doing what? Oh, admin. And then I was in the boarding house, which I enjoyed because it was with the kids. What inspiration do you pull from being around the children? Oh, they always remind me of how alive they are. You know, they're closer to their source, their start. They've got way less rubbish in the way. They're just awesome to be around. You know, they talk about how it's different now, social media and stuff, but it's not really. It's still, you're still a kid and you've got parents and they either empower you or they don't. And we learn all that when we're kids. Yeah. And we just, as we get older, we confirm it again and again and again. And then I'm far less, I'm a very glass half full. Now I was always glass half empty. Yeah. Do you know, I can even remember the first time I heard that saying, I didn't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> Is that funny? But I, uh, having done, like I said before, the, the program that made the difference, the Landmark Forum, that was massive as well. What was a la Landmark Forum for? It's a three-day personal development and training, basically. And that was the thing that allowed me to, I, I, fell back, I fell back on that a lot when I'd get really challenged. It just allowed me to remind myself that nothing's permanent. All the fear in my mind, future events appearing real, nothing's happening. Yeah, it just gave me the skills to get through some really tough days. Mm. What would you say to someone else in that headspace? Yeah. Uh, learning to be kind to yourself and, and not giving in to this, the, you know, the inner, the inner dialogue that never stops. It'll mm. take you down. You've got to find a way. There's those thoughts in your head where you start a narrative in your head mm. and then before you know it you think it's happening and That's it's real right. and you, your train of thought, you keep putting yourself there that it's happening and you've got yourself worked up. It's, it's, it's hard to pull yourself that out. It's very hard but you can and I'm living proof that you can. Mm. Good on you. Yeah. Anyone can. And, you know, it's sort of like annoying when you're in the middle of it and someone says that to you. It's like bugger off, I don't want, you know, like it's hard to hear. But it's true. Anyone can get out of a hole. It's pretty inspiring when you really get present to that, that we are all, you know, you read incredible stories of people that have overcome incredible odds. And the strategies that they've used to pull themselves out of those, have you learnt strategies along the way to pull yourself out or when your head is, starts to go down those thoughts again, mm. what strategies do you use now to go, hang on, that's not okay? Well, it's always getting in communication with other people to be reminded just to get back on track, you know, like not trying not – doing life on your own won't work Never, it, because you'll end up that, like you were saying before, that narrative in your head, it'll take you out. But if you get in communication with other people and they – they are a stand for you to get back to, righto, that's okay, yeah, no, I'm right again, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's, it's having my life be something meaningful. Another thing is that it, when I'm not feeling so great is finding someone else to make a difference to. That helps, you know, gets your attention off yourself. Mm -hmm. 
they're really good strategies to have. Yeah. And and it's not like they're they're not brilliant. They're just Well, simple. they don't need to be. That's right. They don't you don't have to do you don't have to be find some Doesn't amazing need to be complicated. magical That's right. It's just it's it's like being able to discipline yourself at times to not fall for the trap of your own brain trying to take you out. Yeah. Mm. And I've had to overcome a lot of self-limiting stuff, like so much. Yeah, it's really retraining your brain, retraining your thoughts and retelling yourself that. Absolutely. I think very differently than how I used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I I, I know my head's been in that space many a times. Mm. I am. And one of my best strategies I learned through counselling was to stare at myself in the mirror and tell myself that that's not okay. Like yeah. what you're telling me and what you're saying to me in that narrative right now is not okay and you're not welcome here. And I like literally had to tell myself like you're not welcome here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. But I'm very different now. I'm very um, – I'm not Pollyanna but I'm very – I know the world's great and I'm part of this awesome world and I can be awesome for people. Yeah. That's my commitment and for my kids and anyone in my life. It's being awesome even when you don't want to. Like in terms of when you're going through that really shitty time, mm. might be shitty, but on the other side of it when you get through, it's an experience that you've been able to learn from. Yes, that's another thing, yeah, is mm. reminding yourself that nothing's permanent. There's always a breakthrough. Yeah. Every breakdown is a breakthrough. Yeah. It's a beautiful little town here. Um, it's, a, it's a very buzz and a very friendly mm. town. It's people. easy to live. It's, you know, it's one of the, having lived in Melbourne and right in the middle and in the busy Melbourne, a small town is, oh, it's wonderful how easy it is. There's benefits everywhere you live and I love the benefits of being here. So what are the benefits to living here in a small little country regional town to a city? It's so easy. It's easy to go anywhere. You've never got to worry about getting a park. You don't have traffic lights, you don't have you don't have any of the stress that comes with being in a big city. It's <sighs> just part of the city. You, you have to allow time for the stressful things that could happen. Here you just get in your car and you know, go down the road and five minutes you're down. It's, yeah, it's just so easy. Yesterday afternoon when we were discussing like, okay, timing's tomorrow, like what time we need to be yes. here. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll be in the car by 8.30 and then we kind of went, it is only two minutes down the road. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need to get in the car until five to nine. It's like, so I was still in my That's jammies, what I mean. <laughs> exactly. It's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's quiet. It's nice. I um, often wonder if it scares people because in the city you've got um, shops, you know, seven days a week and you've got chemists open till 10 o'clock mm. at night and all of these things that are available all the time. How, would, how did you go coming from the city back to a country town transitioning to having everything available yeah. and then not? Because I'd been spent 45 years in the bush, it was easy for me because I was coming back to what I knew. I mean, this Chartist Towers, for me, it was actually a big town from where I'm actually from, so it wasn't hard. But I, I see, because my daughter's married a, a city boy, and you How can, did he go coming into Yeah, he find he, it's confronting. Yeah. And he's like, my God, I can't even get a decent coffee. You know, stuff like that. It's actually not easy for yeah, people. Yeah, if you've never known that's right. what this lifestyle looks exactly. like. Exactly. 
So I'm so – how lucky am I that I've lived where I've lived and then spent that 10 years in the city. You know, I'm just – I've had the best of both. Yeah. I tell you, I've got the best life ever. I've got this dream life. It's awesome. awesome. I know. I'm very What's lucky. What's your photography business name? Sally Bat Photography. Where do you want to take your photography business and yourself in the future? Well, I'd love to I, – I love what I do, so I want to do – I want to be successful. What does success look like yeah, for that's, you? Yeah, that's what I – it's an interesting question, isn't it? Success for me is knowing that I'm making a difference. That's a big one for me and I love that. Knowing I'm good at – like really knowing that I'm doing the best I can do for each couple, learning every time to get better and better at that, just that tweaking those skills that it takes. And, of course, there's a financial reward that I'm not going to deny I want that as well. I want to be financially secure because I haven't been and that ain't nice. <laughs> so, yes, I, I, success for me too is feeling I don't think about money. That's what I want. I don't have to be rich, but I don't want to have to think about money. I don't want to be worrying about how the hell am I going to buy that whatever I need next because I've been there and I, it's, yeah, it's tough. Brave is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.